When's the last time you desired something so badly that you begged God for it? You prayed and prayed, but the answer you eventually received was no. My name is Keegan Peck, and this is the Odyssey Home. We fear pain, don't we? I mean, no one wants to get hurt. We fear rejection and failure. We fear disappointment. We want things to work out for the best. We want relationships to work, for that job to work, for that family member or friend to be healed. But we all know very well that we don't always get what we ask for even though we've prayed hard for it. Have you been there recently? I'm sure in the past, you've been there plenty of times. Think back to something major that you just knew there was no way God wouldn't grant it. Maybe it was a new ministry opportunity, healing for someone who was sick, or some other really good thing. And how did you feel when God didn't grant you that request? I remember a couple of big ones, one right after another, and God wasn't granting me my requests. I couldn't understand why He wouldn't. I thought He wasn't listening, that maybe He didn't care about me. I was hurt and angry. I wondered how a loving God could do that. But when we look at Scripture, we have examples of God saying no to things that any of us would have seen as an obvious yes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10, through 10, we see Paul writing to the Corinthian church about when God told him no. Paul writes, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. 
Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now we've talked about this example in more depth before, so I won't spend a lot of time analyzing it now. But Paul was asking for some physical hindrance to be removed. Paul, an apostle of Christ, the one who wrote most of the letters we now use in our New Testament, this is the one to whom God said, No. Why would he do that? Wouldn't it have made more sense to remove any hindrances Paul had in order to make his ministry easier? I mean, that's what I would have thought. But God said no. And how did Paul respond? He accepted it. He not only accepted the answer, but he became content with it in a way that he was able to use it for the kingdom of God. Now that's powerful. Not easy, but powerful. But this wasn't the only time God told Paul no. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is on one of his missionary journeys, and something interesting happens in verses 6 through 10. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Do you find it strange that Paul was trying to spread the word of God to people, and the Holy Spirit told him no to speaking in Asia, in Bithynia? Didn't Jesus say to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Why couldn't Paul preach in these two places? We're not given a reason. Maybe the people he was going to speak to weren't ready to receive the message. Maybe Paul wasn't going to be as effective as someone else. However, if we skip down a little to verses 17 through 15, we see what becomes of him going to Macedonia instead. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. 
And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Paul converts a woman whose heart is said God opened in order to respond to what Paul said. Then her household was baptized. Now we're told she was a seller of purple fabrics, which was very expensive. I wonder what kind of rich and influential people she was around in her day-to-day life, and with whom she could share the gospel. But then, Paul and Silas are beaten and thrown in prison, which would arguably be a bad thing. I mean, if I was him, I would be wondering why God was so insistent that I come here. Was God just sending me somewhere so that I could endure some pain? But Paul and Silas don't seem to see it that way. They're praying and singing hymns. What kind of faith does that take to just accept your circumstances like that and continue to follow God? Let's pick up reading at verse 25 and continue through verse 34. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. So they spoke the word of the Lord to him, together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them, and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. The situation Paul and Silas found themselves in was bad, and could have arguably been avoided if Paul could have just gone to Asia. But he followed and trusted in God. He accepted that God was in control, and just followed and try to do the best he could in every situation he encountered. And because of this, another person and his family were saved. And just like with Lydia, can you imagine what influence this man might have had on others? He was in charge of people who were imprisoned, so you know there were a lot of rough, bad people there. I wonder if he shared his story with any of them. I wonder if he shared the message of Christ and what he did in his life. If God hadn't told Paul no, 
would these people have been saved? It's possible God would have sent someone else. But you could argue Paul is the one God wanted for this. That he was the perfect one to reach these people. This was God's plan. Now this was only one situation where we can kind of see, or at least infer, God's reason for saying no. But the truth is, we don't always get an answer. God doesn't always explain himself. But then again, he's God. He doesn't have to. Sometimes, an explanation would be helpful. But an understanding of God's decision isn't something we're required to have in order to follow Him. We have to trust that He knows what's best, no matter the answer. We aren't always going to know the reasons behind why God says yes or no to our requests. I would argue we rarely get to have that understanding. But there is an understanding we possess, one of which we constantly have to remind ourselves that God loves us very much, that He loves us more than all the rest of His creation. He loves you more than all the stars in the sky, and He wants what's best for you, no matter what that might be. This episode was written and produced by me, Keegan Peck, with theme music by Amy Ferris, and additional music by selections from Epidemic Sound. For more information, please visit the show's website at theodysseyhome.com. That's the Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y, home.com. There you can find more information about the podcast and a way to contact me. I'd love to hear from you. Watch for future episodes released every two weeks. See you next time, and thanks for listening.